Hello, 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 and welcome to another Talking Bollocks, your favourite podcast. This is the Bollocast. I am your host, Howard H. Smith. I am lead singer in UK thrash band Acid Rain. I also does this here podcast. I also do stand-up comedy. I fucking used to. As Keith Platt, uh, and he's available at keithplatt.co.uk. He, what am I talking about? And on top of all that, I am now the host of the Motorcast, the official Motorhead podcast. You can um, search Motorcast in any of your podcast players. It is now available Episode one is up, although it's numbered number two. Number one was the was the trailer. Number two is the first proper episode. So go and have a dig in there. There's um there's going to be more to come from that. There's more to come from me. There's more to come from if you sign up on Patreon and get extra talking bollocks. Should you want that? Yes, that's right. There's a portion of extra bollocks every month and an exclusive radio show and loads of behind the scenes bits and pieces. And you get to ask uh, questions of your favourite big stars. And we get to do a live Zoom, uh, uh, live Zoom sort of party chat piss about podcast um once a month as well so if you want to sign up at patreon it's patreon.com forward slash howard h smith five dollars a month and you get all of that shit and you get this here podcast free sorry free early it's always free but you get it early you get it before everybody else and you get your own podcast you get the chance to ask questions of the interviewees anyway that's enough of all of that stuff isn't it hey eh? Welcome, welcome, welcome one, welcome all, welcome to everybody. It's a big, big welcome to everybody. Except if you're one of these people who've been really pissing me off at the moment. I've just been, I've just been out shopping this morning, so sorry, you, you, you're getting this fresh. But I am sick and tired of walking into places and seeing people who haven't got their mask over their fucking nose. The fucking mask is shaped to go over your nose and mouth. Now, if you're listening to this and you're going, oh, but Howard, I wear glasses. So do I, you daft bastard. Right? You put your glasses over the mask and then they don't steam up. It's that simple. It took me about 30 seconds to work that out. So sort it out. Yeah? Your chin is not dangering anybody. There is no need... For a face mask that goes over the mouth and the chin. The chin area is not communicating any disease. Well, it is. It's fucking disgusting beards are full of all sorts of rubbish. But it's not corona, right? The idea of a mask is to cover your nose and mouth. Nose and mouth. If it is not covering your nose, you are doing 50% of the job. You have failed. It's to stop droplets coming out of the nose and mouth into the air. That is nose and mouth, you stupid fucking cunts! How could you not fucking know this? How could you not be walking around and seeing everybody else with the mask on properly, you daft bastard? Really? How can you possibly walk around and think that it's okay to have your mask below your nose, you ignoramus you selfish twat oh well i don't like the way it feels oh well it stops me shut the fuck up jesus christ good job you weren't around in the second world war when we were getting fucking bombed oh those these things falling from the sky it's a bit oh it's, it's put a real crimp in my day come on sort it out people and if you see somebody wearing a mask incorrectly 
You don't have to be an arsehole like me and go up and go, Oi, dickhead. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I try not to. Just go up and say, actually, you know, do you just because some people maybe they just don't know what they're doing. But that's an excuse if you ask me. You can't walk around with a nose with a mask on your mouth and fucking chin, see most seeing most other people wearing it correctly and think you're doing the right thing. And whatever excuse it is that is in your head right now for not covering your nose, it's not good enough, just so we're clear on that. It's not it's not good enough. Because if you have to wear a mask, if you haven't got any kind of underlying health conditions that means you don't have to wear a mask, then wear it properly, you fucking idiot. Anyway, that's got nothing to do with fucking music, has it? But, as some of you know, sometimes when I... uh, Sometimes when I start the podcast, I might have just... You might get some residual bullshit that's been kicking around um, in my life, and I'm afraid there it is. Right up front, it's mask dickheads. Those people who are wearing masks incorrectly. Dear me. And just to be clear... If you are wearing a mask over your... And, and these people do exist. The people who are wearing their mask entirely over their chin. Now, th- there's, there is a special place in suffering for these people. I mean, they are so badly informed. They All they know is they're supposed to wear a mask somewhere... They're just not sure somewhere. Well, it's called a face covering. How about if I just cover my chin up? That's that's a big part of my face. That should be okay. You people, oh dear, in in into the just into the dustbin of history with you. Get in the sea, all of you. Anyway, I do apologise. What's been happening in the world of metal this month? I wish I could be more upbeat, but we've just lost Eddie Van Halen, and I mean. <sighs> What I I, I I seem to be saying this a lot recently because genuine legends have been dying, but the word legend is is you know is is thrown around quite literally like oh mate you're a legend because somebody got you a bag of crisps no you're fucking not you're not a legend you're a nice guy thanks whatever legend Eddie Van Halen I mean somebody who influenced I mean he just didn't influence guitarists. He influenced people to start playing the guitar. He created a whole style. Um, it, it, yeah, I mean, legend and that that important word for me in any in any part of the genre. He was uh, an innovator, and innovators are what keeps our music going and keeps it keeps it exciting, keeps it vital, keeps it moving forwards. And um, wow. Just what, what a, what a guy. And um, funnily enough, I saw some of David Lee Roth's um, uh, social media and he tweeted out a picture of the two of them and just saying, wow, you know, what a lovely road it's been. And David Lee Roth is getting shit from people because they don't consider that to be emotional enough. They don't, they, they don't consider that to be enough. Like all of these people who never met Eddie Van Halen and never met, never met David Lee Roth, and were never in a room with them, and were completely unaware of the dynamic of friendship between the two. But they've decided that it's... I mean, what a load of bollocks. What an absolute load of bollocks. You know, n- n- oh, really? Someone's grieving is not good enough for you now? Fucking hell. They, they're just the, the balls, the tits on these people. Honestly. 
just fucking fuck off. He was a public figure, but you didn't know him privately. Dave did. They had a relationship. It's it, it's not like he's posted a picture of you know saying, "Oh, I'm glad he's dead." He's he's clearly he's clearly upset. And in case you've never dealt with grief before, everyone deals with it differently. And wow, somebody isn't grieving on social media enough for you the way you wanted. Jesus Christ. Pathetic. Anyway, having lost Eddie, um, some good news. We're getting power up from ACDC. That's right. ACDC, who, if you were from up north in the 80s, it was just DC, which has really annoyed me, like the like the other two letters were such a pain in the ass to say. So um, there's a new ACDC album. You know, it's DC, isn't it? No, fuck off. Um, ACDC album, Power Up. And, I mean, what can I say other than um, comeback of the year, nay, comeback of the decade, may have to be Phil Rudd. That's right, Phil Rudd, who was kicked out of ACDC, who was um, arrested with crystal meth in his house, who had to, it was selling his house, was there, you would seeing him get, being filmed on TV in Australia, coming out of pri- coming out of prison, and on all sorts, and he he appeared to be absolutely at rock bottom and just in the bin. He's done. No, <laughs> no, he is back and he is playing on the new ACDC album. So you know. Fair play. Got to give it up. Got to give it up. Um, ah, what else has been going on? Well, um, Burton has left Fear Factory. And, um, yeah, it seems like he's definitely left. I, I read an interview, with D- I listened to an interview with Dino, and it was really funny. Because during it, he says, well, th- the door is not going to stay open for for uh, Burton to come, to, to come back to Fear Factory forever. And I just thought, but he's just fucking left. I'm sure there's nothing further from his mind than joining, yeah, let's be clear, joining fucking Fear Factory again in the same week that he's just left. Give it up, Dino. He's out. You're on your own. Um, Some other great news, not that that's great news, but some other great news in general is there's a new Killer to be, Killer be Killed album coming out. Oh, yes! Reluctant Hero is the name of the album. There are, there are two singles um, out already. Um, I am deliberate. I've listened to them both once. Sound like Killer Be Killed, so that's good for me. Um, but that's it. I'm, I, I don't want to go any further because I, I, it's like, yep, yeah, that's solid. That's it. Um, I don't want to over-listen to those songs because otherwise I find when I get the album, I just end up skipping the songs I had as singles before the album. And I don't want to do that. I want to listen to it all together. So, there you go. On the 20th of November, we are getting the new Killer Be Killed album, Reluctant Hero. And if you want to check out um, two singles, they are on YouTube. So, what else has been going on? Um, New Exodus is going to have a Rick Honnold solo on it. How fucking cool is that how fucking cool is that we're gonna have rick on the fucking album i really like the look of that i really do he's a top man he really is um so yeah and apparently it's going to be crushing and all the rest of it i mean you know you know <laughs> what else has been going on oh here's an here is another another sort of jesus christ we're desperate um 
Former Metallica bassist Jason Newstead buys a skein... Skeinatales? I've got no idea what that... I wish I'd fucking planned this better. Uh, Buys this house, New York home, for 6.1 million. Right? And that's it. There's Obviously, there's no quotes. And that's literally the end of it. Within three sentences, uh, Blabbermouth is doing what Blabbermouth does. And he's saying, back in 2017 and, and... so within three lines of within three lines of type that is back into a story from 2017 so nothing to see here folks if you see that headline don't bother with it like i did made a note of it thought, <laughs> what a dickhead uh, okay only two more stories to cover first one is tool frontman maynard james keenan had covid19 in february is still dealing with residual effects yeah um he says, I didn't want to run around screaming that he had COVID-19, but it's real. And there's after effects. I had to go through some major medic- medications to undo the residual effects. And I'm still coughing. There's still lung damage. So um, he also added that several of his friends also tested positive for the coronavirus. Um, very not old people, young people, in shape, runners who contract- contracted it as well, he said. And they're still dealing with some of the after effects. I lost a few family members. After he's, after he's fe- uh, yeah, asked if he's feeling all right now, he says, well, no, I still have the cough every other day and I have these coughing fits because my lungs are still damaged at the tips and I just got over the inflammation that was going on with my wrists and hands. So there you go. Um, wow, it looks like he's going to make it. But um, uh, yeah, I, I've just, a, a lot of respect there. A lot of respect for the fact that he went through it. There was no, there was no big, there was, there was no big announcement uh and he's just kind of been very private about it. And um, uh, I, I do kind of like that. And then, uh, I mean, yes, he's mentioned it in that interview, but he's he's not gone on about it. He's mentioned it because he was asked. But yeah, I, I, I think that's pretty cool. doesn't make up for the last two alarm being a snooze fest or having a drum solo on it. Wait 12 years for a fucking drum solo. You are kidding me. And finally, and this, this ties in quite nicely. We get Michael Sweet from Stripers. No, music, no, no musician influenced me as much as Eddie Van Halen. Well, there you go. One day, Michael, you might actually write a decent song. So, um, along with all of the Eddie, Eddie Van Halen tributes, it's been, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a, a colossal kind of month in metal, really. It really, really has. All sorts of stuff going on. Um, and obviously, you know, we're, we're, we're still not getting anywhere, um, from getting back to playing live shows and stuff like that. I mean, it looks like there's going to, there's going to be a couple of boxing matches in the UK, um, and they're going to allow 4,000 people in the O2. They're going to allow some people in the, um, at the Royal Albert Hall in London. Still nobody at, um, football matches. So for where, um, small venues are concerned the kind that Acid Rain would play. Uh, Yeah, I mean, jury's still out on when those motherfuckers are going to reopen. But they are going to reopen. We are going to get back, people. We fucking are. Um, And I'll be honest with you, I was offered quite a serious interview with quite a serious person for the podcast, and I turned it down. 
And the reason I turned it down was that it was all about, you know, how the music business is getting fucked over and blah, blah, and entertainments in general and blah. And, and the thing is, the reason I turned it down, I'll be completely honest with you, is A, it's so fucking depressing. B, um, I know people out there, you are listening to this podcast and you're struggling. You know, you're earning less. You're having to use savings for fucking paying bills and shit like that. You're looking for a job. You're on the fucking absolute breadline. And as much as I do think it is obviously terrible what's happening to the arts, it's happening to us all. And um, I just think that listening to a podcast of people, of artists moaning when you've got very little money coming in I just think it's personally, I think it's a bit disrespectful. And I have to say, I spend a lot of time shouting at the television at the moment at various charities for fucking everything. From crippled donkeys to to kids in the middle of nowhere with no water to you name it. it it's, it's all about banging on, oh, give us some money, give us some money. And I'm sat there thinking, fucking hell, give me some money. I'm fucking brassic right now. This is not easy for any of us. And the last thing I want you to do is get that feeling with the podcast. That, you know, you're listening to the podcast and going, oh, fucking hell, poor you. What about the rest of us? We're all in the same fucking boat. So I've steered away from it. And when, and I've, you know, I've, I've tried trying to keep things positive, says the man who opened with a four-minute rant about stupid cunts who can't wear masks properly, you chimps. Um, but hey, you know, I am constantly trying to keep it positive and keep it light. If you could see what I could see at the moment, I'm sat in my lounge, I'm looking out to my balcony, I've got three parakeets eating food there, arguing with each other, and before you think, fucking hell, where does he live, a zoo? Or where do I live, you know, Florida? Neither. It's just that with the um uh, with the che- with lockdown and the change in the environment um parakeets have suddenly uh, i mean they're always already in the area but they've suddenly decided to start feeding from my balcony but there you go anyway that was a fucking tangent wasn't it tangent fans did you enjoy that tangent fans that was a prop a proper tangent so now i've already mentioned michael sweet and in this next interview i'll be mentioning him again but not straight away this is a conversation i had with um, somebody who can be only can only be described in the world of metal as a lifer, and um, that in fact I was talking to um, uh, Paul Waller from Oms and the uh, Different Times podcast last night for an interview, uh, which is coming up later this month, and uh, and he said I was talking about Dom and he went oh he's a lifer and he's like yeah absolutely so. Um, if this guy's love of metal and music and dedication doesn't give you a warm glow inside, then you're fucking dead. And when the podcast finishes, um, you should probably go to hospital and um, be checked for a pulse. Here we are. Just a few weeks ago, this is my friend Dom Lawson and I having a chat. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's much better. Right, we can just pretend that the interview started here and we've been talking for hours. We have. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, that's fine, mate. I mean, uh, honestly, I feel a bit of a fraud because, you know, um, I, I, I don't even listen to podcasts, really, so I feel a bit ridiculous being on one. But, you know. Well, mate, <laughs> but, look, look. You know, um, but your choice. No, no, no. You're not to blame if, if, well, if it goes wrong. 
Well, if the if the amount of subs- if the amount of subscriber questions that I've got for you is anything to go by, people wow. uh, people really want to hear from you. Well, that's weird. Okay. <laughs> well, don't, don't, I mean, don't... I'm not. I don't, 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 you know, I'm not ungrateful. I, I do appreciate that a lot. It just feels. Uh, uh, a bit bizarre, really. But anyway, no, carry on. You know. Well, look, any, look, <laughs> look. Uh, you're the, basically, you're the first guest that I've ever had on the show who went on Jim will fix it. So, you well, know. Uh, yes, I, I can claim that true. Yeah. yeah, they can't take that from away from me. Even though he turned out to be a monstrous paedophile, you know, I've still got a gold disc on my wall, which most people haven't got. So that's uh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> well, look. Um, uh, one thing um, uh, that I, w- I just wanted to start with, and that was so. Uh, you, you fucking ate striper. <laughs> well, I don't, you know what? I think, I mean, obviously they're incredibly oversensitive, bless them, as, as religious people tend to be, you know, hugely defensive about their preposterous opinions of... of oh, absolutely. Uh, oh, they've t- oh, they, they, know, there's, no, there's no sense of humour involved in religion, no. No, no, absolutely. But, you know, the, the review I wrote, I mean, I, yes, I could have, I could have sat there crafting it for three hours to make sure I was totally fair to striper, but, you know... It's Striper, you know, even in the 80s, you know, they had to, the music was all right, you know, those first two or three albums, they're okay. But once you sit there listening to the music and they're telling you how lovely it is to go to church, uh, it, it just it just winds me up, you know, it just yeah. runs me up the wrong way. And and to be honest, the, the music they're making now, this new album, no, I, I didn't slag, even slag it off that badly, to be honest, but anyway, you know, it's uh, it's... Not in nowhere near exciting enough musically to distract you from the fact that you're being told that Christianity is a good idea, you know. Which, yeah. In my opinion, which is what reviews are all about, it isn't. <laughs> well, well, yeah, but also the thing is, let's let's be honest, right? If if it was if they were a nature core band and they were banging on about you know, oh, the trees are lovely and you should go and build a treehouse and live with an, live one live in one and change your life, you, yeah. you you would also go, yeah, look, this album's all right, but I can't buy into this. This bollocks that they're, they're going on about, yeah. and it overshadows the music. So sorry, but but you're allowed to do yeah. that when it's people talking about you know building a treehouse. But you're not allowed to do that when it's you know people about you know God's house. Yeah, that's it. And and you know not just music journalists, but a lot of people in in media generally are expected to kind of show this respect for religious beliefs uh, that isn't reciprocated. You know, like I mean, I I don't believe in God. I think it's an absolute nonsense, and then people need to fucking grow up. But at the same time, I'll, you know, stand and fight for people's right to believe any nonsense they want to, as long as it doesn't hurt other people. Yes. Uh, but the issue is the issue is that it does hurt other people, you know, and that it's dishonest and fucking horrible. You know, it really kind of winds me up. I can feel my blood boiling now, you know. <laughs> um, and so to have heavy metal ruined by it, it's like, I mean, can you just fuck off? You've got your own terrible music to listen to, please. Don't do that, you know. Yeah. Well, I look. Go and listen, listen to the Jonas Brothers, you know, or, or whatever, you know. Well, you're, you're preaching to the choir here, mate. I do. I've got. I've got <laughs> well, a. Um, I have an atheist not, tattoo, so you know. Excellent. I mean, obviously, you know, I'm a hypocrite because I like trouble, but you know, it's, <laughs> the, the difference is that those trouble albums absolutely rip. You know, Striper yes. do not rip by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. And when you've got, what's the? There's a title of one of the songs that really made. I know. Spat my coffee out. Um, is it, I think it's let, Let's Make Love Great Again or something. Oh, my and it's God. Like, you've conflated a bunch of things there which are, aren't reflecting well on you. you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> also, yeah. I want my heavy metal songs to be about Satan and war and how awful everything is. Not, you know, not Jesus. Come on. 
Yeah, well, I, 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 to be honest, I mean, you know, like if, if any if any band keep banging on about one particular topic, it gets boring. You know, whether it's you, you know whether it's um, Striper or whether it's you know a, 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 any satanic band you care to name. Um, well, that's it. If, that, if that's all they've got, then I think a lot of people, you know, like I mean, there are, I certainly do like bands that bang on about nothing but Satan, but you kind of zone out, and it's more about the music in many ways. You know, you do, you're not reading the lyrics to see what they're. You know, what, what's Glenn Benson? Uh, what's, what's his view on Christianity this week? You know, because I think we know. Do you know? <laughs> do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It's not. <laughs> I don't need to check out his, uh, his his developed thoughts on it. You know, but. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just something about it really rubbed me up the wrong way. And also, who cares? You know, like uh, apparently, and I don't know because I, I never read them. But apparently, there's loads of people fucking ripping into me and all sorts on, on the uh, on the blabbermouth comment section. Um, yeah, and it it makes me chuckle because why do they think I would read it? Well, I think, yeah, I I don't think any keyboard warriors uh, are aware of that. I think they're just, uh, and also I think, you know, Striper managed managed to, well, not managed to, but basically responded to a review of their album. And I found found the the wording of their response, I found things in the wording of their response far more worrying than anything that you'd written in the review. Because yeah, yeah. they were they were starting to try and turn it into change it into some sort of religious persecution narrative. It's a fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. album review for fuck's sake. Yeah, it's funny. I, I had um, some American striper fan sent me a uh, well, sent me a, a, like a, a request re- to, to contact <laughs> me on Instagram. You know, only one actually. I'm quite pleased I haven't had loads, but uh, yeah. just the one. And he was basically the, having a go at me and, and, and saying, you know, you should keep your opinions out of your reviews. And and I was thinking, well. I think you've fundamentally misunderstood the purpose of a review, there, my friend. You know, like. <laughs> well, shouldn't well, shouldn't Striper about... shouldn't Striper keep their opinions out of their music then? Well, exactly. I mean, it's just a nonsense, isn't it? You <laughs> yeah. know, I can I, yeah. can I can write whatever the hell I like. You know, if you don't like <laughs> it, then then don't trust me as a as a source of opinion on music. That's fine. You know, if if our if our tastes fundamentally converge and it's just awful and everything I say is rubbish, then fine. There are people like that for me in magazines in this country, you know. I, I won't bother reading their reviews because I don't care what they think, you know, and that's that's absolutely fine. But to think that I would, I have to, you know, hold back on a, something I'm really strongly opinionated about because it might upset a bunch of Christians. I mean, really? <laughs> yes, uh, uh, it, it, it doesn't sound it doesn't sound to have affected you too deeply. Oh no, well that's it. I don't I don't read the comments, you know. I, I just made a conscious decision a few years ago not to. Uh, to to get off most social media, all I've got now is Instagram, which is harmless enough for me so far. Anyway, yeah. um, and I don't get bombarded with people calling me a cunt because that would be weird on Instagram. But on Twitter, you know, that's what it turns into, and I don't yeah. have a face. But you know, I just the the less of that the you know the less of that stuff that I have, the the better my mental health is all round. And uh, one thing I definitely don't do is read comments underneath things I've written. You know, I told you what I think, so I'm not going to engage in an, an argument about it. You know, if you disagree, then that's unfortunate, but move on, you know. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. Don't, you know, either go and buy the Striper album, which incidentally isn't very good, or, um, you know, or don't. It's, you know, I'm not telling people what to think, I'm telling you what I think. There is a difference. Well, you've been, you've, you've been at this long enough, really, to, to kind of have your, your, your own sort of, your own processes and your own rules, and, you know, yeah. that's, you pretty much, you know, I, I mean, you know, I'm not decrying anybody's right to reply, but reviews have never been about replying. 
No. You know, it's, it's just about no, one, not. you know, we, well, the label always used to say to us and still does to this day, it's just one person's opinion. Yeah, that's it, you know. And, you know, sometimes you might feel, you know, if, if a particular band releases three albums and they all get slagged off in a particular magazine, then I can understand and get paranoid and think, whoa, well, you know, what have this magazine got against us? Um, but to be honest, 99 times out of 100, that's because your music's fucking dreadful. You know, like, it's, it's <laughs> you know, it's not a conspiracy. Just sometimes there's a consensus about these things, you know. But, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, it, after 20 years of doing it, and I do feel really old saying that, 20, 21 years of doing it. Um, I, you know, I, I feel I've done, I, I feel I've done a fairly good job of broadly speaking, being always as positive as possible about metal and what's going on in metal and supporting bands as much as I can and, and not just writing, you know, snarky reviews to slag things off to make myself sound clever. You know, it's, I mean, I have done that because it's good fun. But I would say the uh, the majority of everything I've done is about telling people that metal's fucking great. You know, <laughs> really, it's not, it's no more complicated than that. You know? Yeah, well, like you say, and, and that's, that is... You know, that's ultimately your job, which is great. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it's half my. It's, I'm only part time these days. You see, that's the tragedy of uh, the modern age. But yeah, <laughs> it is. It is what people know I do anyway. <laughs> so yeah, I'm happy with that. Right. Okay. So fair enough. <laughs> It's nothing creepy, don't worry, I'm not like a burglar. <laughs> so, um, uh, so what's happening to Oaf at the moment? Uh, well, nothing really, or nothing at the moment, because of the, you know we haven't, we haven't done anything for a couple of years. We took a break because we both knackered, and uh, Jim, bless him, has a proper job, um, and he works as a teacher, you know, so he's got a lot of commitments and time consumed by that. Um, and we did, I mean, I did force him to do a lot of stuff over a, quite a long period of time. <laughs> the poor son, you know, it is kind of my baby in terms of writing the songs and all that, you know, feeding my pathetic ego and all the rest of it. Um, but uh, hopefully at some point we'll do something else it's just not really it's not logistically possible at the moment really but um, you know we have got a bunch of songs that we wanted to record for a, another album but as always it's going to take us about 15 years to do it I imagine but um, failing that if anybody wants a bass player that's really lazy and smokes too much weed just let me know you know I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm uh, sporadically you just, available you, you, you know? you've just described every bass player ever <laughs> That's the problem, eh? They're two a penny. Yeah. You bloody cliche. Idle um, fuckers who couldn't be bothered to learn a proper instrument. <laughs> so, um, so look, I, one I, one thing I wanted to do was just sort of kind of go way back to the beginning, um, yeah. and like and how you and how you got into writing, you know, it, because it, you know, is it something that you pursued that you knew you wanted to do, and you just hounded everybody? Did you fall into it? Um, I, the latter, really. Uh, I'm not, you know, as people who know me will probably tell you, I'm not exactly somebody that's plagued by uh, furious levels of ambition, you know. It's, um, <laughs> uh, but I kind of thought, well, how did it happen? I, I suppose I I was at university between 94 and 97, and then after that, the first job I got, I was working at the House of Commons in Westminster in the uh, library. as like a, uh, you know, kind of, civil servant of a sort, not technically a civil servant, but, you know, working in the moving paperwork around and shuffling paper clips, you know. Um, and while I was doing that, the internet was kind of starting to be a thing, you know. I, I mean, that was the first time I encountered using the internet in the way that we, we used to do it now was when I started working at House of Commons, because obviously they had, they had it, you know, and that was fairly mind-blowing. And um, 
I don't know. I've always been obsessed with music, and I've always been, you know, as big headed as it sounds, I've always been good at writing. That's the one thing I was good at at school, you know. And um, I just thought, well, you know, people are setting up these weird things called websites. Why don't I do that just for a laugh, you know? And one of my friends was a web designer, as you know, nerdy people tend to be. Um, you know, obviously the sensible people are all web designers and they've made thousands. And obviously, I decided to be a music journalist and earned about thirty p over a twenty year period. But you know, <laughs> but, but still, uh, he set he set me up a um, a website, just you know, a very basic page, but for for uh, album reviews. And then, uh, I, you know, I was really into doing it, so it started to expand me trying to kind of. Uh, I think I, I think the main thing I did was like a comprehensive. Earache Records, you know, I reviewed every album that had been put out on on Earache Records. Um, this is, you know, in the days before Earache had turned into a country rock label, um, you know, and it was uh, and it was you know, pretty comprehensive. And obviously, Earache found out about it. Um, you know, all this uh, frothing, fairly naive hyperbole about you know Napalm Death and the uh, Carcass Records. Um, and by all accounts, Kerrang were looking for new writers, and someone at uh, I think it was a wonderful lady called Sarah Watson, who's probably called something else now, but um, Sarah something, um, who uh, recommended me to Kerrang. And so that was how I got, I got, I remember getting a phone call while I was at work uh, in the House of Commons. And I think it was, uh, hello, are you free to go and review a Cannibal Corpse gig at the Underworld? Um, and, so, <laughs> and so from there, the tone of my life was pretty much set, really. <laughs> <laughs> what what a what a call to get to be the uh, yeah. you know the the turning point of your um uh, of your young life. Um, yeah, it was really. I wasn't but, that young to be fair. I was twenty seven at that point, so you know I was a late starter as well because I'm such an idle sod after finished school. But anyway, yeah. Well, well, <laughs> well that that's that that's interesting. But I'm glad you mentioned the House mm. of Commons again because you kind of brushed by it earlier, and then we ended up back yeah. there. And and I was um, and I was going to ask. So you know. Not many people can drop the uh, uh, working at the House of Commons bomb. So, um, so what, you know, it's quite what, a niche bomb. It's a, it is, isn't it? Uh, so, 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 what the fuck were you doing there? Well, I mean, to be honest, I was looking for a you know a decent, half decent job, which was you know, um, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm not qualified to do a lot of things, and I'm not interested in a lot of things. But politics is something I've always been interested in, and uh, you know. Uh, it seemed like a good thing for somebody with an, an English degree to, you know, um, to apply for because English degree at least, conf- you know, con- confers a certain amount of uh, literacy and, you know, I, I must be fairly articulate and all the rest of it, blah, blah, blah. So I thought, you know, it shouldn't be too hard. And I did get a job there eventually. It took a couple of tries. Uh, but it was really just a kind of office, you know, office job doing paperwork and filing and, and data entry and stuff like that. It wasn't particularly interesting. I did get promoted after a year. Uh, and had the title Executive Officer. And I used to do uh, guided tours of the House of Commons Library for MPs and their staff, uh, which was moderately terrifying because I do not like speaking in public at all, weirdly. Uh, not without a bass guitar around my neck. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was, yeah I mean, it was brilliant because I had, you know, had a pass into the House of Commons. And, you know, they have subsidised lager and stuff, you know. And so it was, uh, um, it was quite an interesting two and a half years, really. Um, Wow, I mean that's 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 one hell of a job to then go to sort of um, you know late in life turn your gaze towards music journalism. I mean how how quickly yeah. how quickly were you were you able to give up the day job in the House of Commons and and go full time? Well, it was quite easy really because I mean again it just kind of fell into my lap really. But um, 
I was still working at the House of Commons, and I, I'd been writing for Kerrang for you know, I don't know a year, a year maybe. Um, and they offered me, uh, well, they offered gave me an interview for the news editor's job at Kerrang, um, which I got. So, <laughs> um, so I did that for two years, and that, that was kind of it, really. Once I stopped, once I stopped doing that for all manner of ghastly reasons, I, um, I basically went, I went fully freelance, and you know. <sighs> I won't pretend that I've ever made a decent living because I haven't. I really haven't. You know, the perks of the job are fabulous. You know, I know I get lots of free records and all the rest of it. But I've, uh, I think I've only earned more than minimum wage in a year four times in twenty years. You know, it's not, <laughs> it's not great. Um, but at the same time, I did manage to, to just about scrape by. You know, as a as a freelance music journalist writing primarily for Kerrang for ages, and then uh, I moved over to Metal Hammer. For reasons that were probably more than apparent at the time to people, that Kerrang was becoming even more obsessed with kind of emo bands and all the rest of it, and yeah. there wasn't much room. There wasn't much room for a miserable old prick that like possessed, you know. It was. You know. <laughs> oh well, look, <laughs> for me, Kerrang was over the minute Oasis were on the cover. Well, you know, lots of uh, you know, I, I try not to be too precious about these things, but it's like when when you when you're kind of advertised as one thing, but you open the pages and you get something else. Um, I think it's time to. You know, change the name, or you know, yes, or, you know, yeah. I was or, just going to say, or actually make a new mission statement. You know, but but magazines don't do that; they just kind of change stuff, and you you have to go along with it. And and that you know, in these polarizing times, <laughs> I think it's a risky risky thing. But back then, it, it didn't seem so risky. I suppose you know, maybe um, you know, magazines were thriving at that point. So uh, you know, anyway, I moved to Mailham because I wanted to write about metal. Uh, Alex Milas was was there, and you know. The whole team rock thing was about to kick off. Obviously, that ended up being an absolute shit show. But, but um, you know, initially it seemed exciting and full of potential. You know, so yeah, I've managed to scrape by with occasional bits of working part time in the office at Metal Hammer, but not anymore. But certainly, you know, they've, they've sustained me at certain points. You know, uh, and, and writing for a variety of uh, suspect publications and websites. Really. You know. <laughs> Yeah, well, but like you say, it's it's you know you've managed to you've managed to do you know earn a living doing something you know that you enjoy that has incredible perks yeah. and and you know I, I speak as a, a fellow self-employed person that yeah. um, you know you, yes it's it's rarely the riches that um, well certainly in my case rarely the riches that people think <laughs> you earn um, and it's it's really it's all about um, it's all about being able to maintain a lifestyle, which means you don't actually have to do much that you don't want to in your life. Well, that's it, and uh, you know, I mean, I, I currently, you know, this year I've I've been doing a part time job uh, to literally to supplement my income because you know it's been a tough time the last few years anyway. But obviously, since all this shit kicked off, uh, it's been fairly ruinous for my you know income as a as a freelance writer. Um, and uh, so now I have two jobs, you know. Um, but it, it's, it, even that is just about enabling me to have a few days a week when I can do what I want to do, which is, you know, basically sitting around listening to records and then writing about them. <laughs> you know, um, and uh, you know, smoking as much weed as possible, really. But um, <laughs> that's, you know, uh, that's not actually in, uh, integral to the uh, creative process. I, I can't stress that enough. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it's it, so. Have you have you seen? Did you see a, an increase in demand for content over over lockdown? No, not particularly. I didn't. But then I, I guess I'm not. You know, uh, I, I I think it's one of the problems of being middle aged and complacent is that you know, I, for a long time I had a regular stream of work from Metal Hammer and the other magazines under the same umbrella. You know, 
Um, it hasn't it hasn't evaporated completely this year, but it has certainly uh, decreased significantly. And so, if I hadn't have taken on a part time job at the beginning of the year, I would be royally fucked at this point. <laughs> you know, um, and I think a lot of it is if you know if you've got the energy of uh, of a twenty five year old who's just starting out, and you can go to every shitty gig or you know watch every shitty live stream or you know. Uh, do all the little bits of work that accumulate to make you, you know, a half decent pay packet. Then, then that's fine. But I'm, I'm fucked and old, you know, and it's, and it's kind of, uh, I don't know. I'd rather do something uh, to earn some money on the side so that I can do the bits of the music journalism job that I actually enjoy, rather than having to, you know, go and uh, hang around at the uh, upstairs at the garage on a Tuesday night watching some god awful metalcore band, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's not the dream job. It's not, no. And I, I, to be honest, I'm, honestly, I'm such a miserable prick, prick people are going to hate me, but um, I don't even enjoy live shows that much anymore. You know, I've, I'm really selective about gigs I go to these days, um, partly because I'm a, you know, um, it's a, an anxiety issue, you know, and not wanting to be out in massive crowds of people. Um, but it's also, you know, I, I don't enjoy live shows as much as I want to, to me, uh, as much as I would like to a lot of the time, you know. Depends if it is, of course. You know, there are some bands that turn me into a thirteen-year-old idiot. You know, that, and that's uh, and that will always be the case. You know, but um, I try to focus on the things that that excite me, and that's that has always been records, really. As much as I love gigs, and I've been to loads of amazing gigs that I'll never forget, but it's the records that stay with me for some reason. I don't know if that makes me more or less nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> um. I, well, the thing is that you know ultimately it is it, it's about a love of music, what you do, um, yeah. and and you know you're in a band as well, so you see kind of both sides of that, um, and presumably over the years as well, you've seen a very uh, well the, the job of a music journal. Yeah, once upon a time you used to get flown to places and you know review yeah. a, review a band or, or or just hang out with them for a couple of days. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, you know, I don't know about you, but I miss those days and I wasn't even doing the fucking job. Um, yes, no, I, I mean, I do miss that. I, I mean, again, I think I'm so, you know, I'm not, I'm not a pensioner or anything, but, you know, I'm 48 in a couple of weeks. And uh, it does get to the point where going to America for two days is going to be physically brutal and you feel terrible for it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it's, uh, it's okay when you're 27 because you drink your way through it, you know? <laughs> True. And, uh, and, uh, and, and you did you ever... to get back, but now I know it's not worth the physical effort unless it's you know unless it's hanging out with with Ozzy Osbourne or you know or Judas Priest or something that I'm really you know you can't turn down. Um, but back in the day, I did I've done all kinds of weird things, being sent to all kinds of bizarre places. What was the most bizarre place you were sent to? Oh God, I wish I hadn't said that now because now I've got to remember something. I know, I know, <laughs> and, and and it was just such an obvious. If I hadn't asked that question, everyone listening to the podcast was like, "Oh, you fucking idiot! You should have asked him." What was yeah, the most well, bizarre? I'll tell you what, I can tell you, it's not in terms of where it was. It wasn't the most bizarre, but the, the one and only time that I've been to Iceland, which everyone who goes there goes, you know, oh, you've got to go to Iceland. It's amazing. You know, go and check out all the crazy scenery and blah blah blah. Obviously, I went there. Um, I did see Björk at the airport. She tripped over someone's suitcase. That was quite funny. Um, but <laughs> apart from that, we, I spent the entire day and a half sat in a backstage part of an arena because uh, the, I don't know if you remember, there's a band called Minus from Iceland uh, that did quite a lot of stuff in the I don't know, early noughties, I guess. were quite popular over here. And they were supporting Metallica uh, in this huge 
sport arena. You know, like it was massive. Yeah. Um, something like like three percent of the entire co- population of the country was at this gig. You know, it was it was phenomenal. And it, even though it was on the Sananga tour, so you know, <laughs> it wasn't uh, wasn't justice for all and Hamilton Odeon. Let me tell you. But still, it was uh, a massive show in Iceland, and we spent the entire time. We weren't allowed out of the backstage area, of course, because uh, we weren't allowed to breathe the same rarefied air as uh, as uh, James and Lars, of course. Um, and they uh, commandeered, I think, all of the other backstage rooms, you know, for various things, massage parlors, and you know, uh, I don't know, crying rooms or whatever. You know, um, not a practice room, obviously, not for Lars. Hey, right, kids. Um, but yeah, that was the weirdest. Because I just uh, sat indoors. It was like sitting in, inside a sports centre for two days. Um, um, why? Why two days? Was it? You have to cover. Were they playing two nights, and you had to cover both? Well, yeah, we were. The, that was where everything was based. So that was where the support band were. So we turned up there to to interview the support band, and we did. We just hung around with them on the first day, and then it, because it was being set up the day before, as Metallica gigs often are, I imagine. Um, and uh, and then the following day, it was literally from ten in the morning, sat around in this backstage area. I did my interview with the band by about midday, you know. <laughs> and then you're just sitting around drinking pissy lager and uh, craving sun sunlight, you know. Yeah, that's not that, that's not exactly um, that's not exactly the story that people people come back from Iceland with. No, not really. It was really. I mean, and I, think, I seem to remember we drove to the airport. Quite early in the morning, it was still. I don't know if it was dark or what. We didn't couldn't see much. Do you know what I mean? There was not. There was wasn't anything on the route that made you go, "Oh, we're in Iceland." It always. It's like the cover of Echo and the Bunnymen's Porcupine. Amazing, you know. There was none of that. It was just uh, a long road and an airport, you know. And um, I, yeah. I mean, I'm presuming you've covered Metallica before. Was that was that kind of um, a, a sort of change to the, to the norm. Although you weren't really covering them this time, were you? So hence you got support. No, you got that support band treatment, basically, didn't you? Yeah, 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 exactly. Which, which everybody knows is fucking shocking. You know, even at that level, you know. Um, particularly, if, you know, I, I'm sure if Metallica know a band personally, then it's not like that. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I'm sure that people get treated very well, but I think. Um, some journalist that just was interviewing the support band isn't going to get treated like a king, and nor should I. You know, <laughs> I'm yeah. fine, but I just didn't want to sit in a fucking sports centre for two days. That's all. <laughs> it, it also sounds like a move having them on the bill as well in that part of the world to shift some tickets. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's a win-win for everybody. You know, except for music journalists. You know, but, um, I did get to see Metallica, so you know, that's uh, that's always a sort of partial thrill, I suppose. I, mean, I can't remember whether the show was any good or not. Um, I think they might have possibly be going through a ropey phase at that stage, but um, I was probably drinking heavily, so it, it could have sounded a lot better to me at the time than it actually was. It's hard to know, really. True, true. I mean, it's, uh, um, uh, you must have interviewed them plenty over the years, though. Uh, less than you'd imagine, actually. It's uh, it's almost as if they've been kept away from me. Um, <laughs> Ooh. Um, no. No, they have. No, they genuinely haven't. Because James Heather just doesn't do many interviews, you know. And when the, when those do come along, I've I just missed out, you know. And that's fair enough. I have interviewed Lars three or four times. I've certainly interviewed Kirk a few times, and I've spoken to the lovely Rob a few times. You know, he's a very nice man. Um, I don't think I've ever done a sit down interview with Metallica, though, which is odd because out of all the, you know, I've done all the others, all the other big ones, you know, but um, they're the ones that I, I've done the least of, I think, really. But. Mm-hmm. Honestly, they're, they're the band I'm least passionate about of all the big ones. So, at this stage in the game, 
So, so uh, oh, so who are who are, who are you passionate about then? Because we've we've had we've had the we've had the um, the the realism of lockdown. Uh, Dom, now let now, now let's have now let's have the these bands are why I'm still alive. Dom, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean the thing, I, you know, I always end up saying horrible things about Metallica for something. Uh, don't mean to. It's just oh, don't uh, worry. You I, didn't I, say I, you didn't say anything horrible. You were just honest. There was nothing horrible in there. Well, that's it. I, I just you know I'm not uh, obviously don't want to kick anything off about it. It's just one of those things. I loved Metallica with all my heart for the first seven years of their existence. You know. Um, and they've done nothing since then that I love. That's all. You know, they've done some things I've liked, but um, yeah. I, I just don't love them. Any- I just haven't loved them for 30 years, you know. And so, uh, unless they're suddenly going to make a, an album that gives me the same buzz that Master of Puppets did, then I just have to say I'm not really a fan these days. It's just one of those things, you know. I, yeah. I, I thought the last album was quite good. Do you know what I mean? It was the best one they've done for a long time. <laughs> but, um, well, let's, let's get that on the fucking poster. You know, the last you know, you just see it on the hard work. Yeah, uh, Tom Lawson, quite good. Lovely stuff, Radio Times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was but, all right. Do you know what I mean? But I haven't listened to it since it came out. I listened to it three or four times at the time. Whereas uh, you know, when Megadeth put a new album out, or Creator put a new album out, particularly, you know, that gets that gets absolutely rinsed in the car. Or or, um, or or Acid you know Rain I mean? put a new album out, eh? Acid Rain, hey. right, fuck me, mate. Yeah, I buy two copies one for each year. Which is which is uh, always my approach with records I love, of course. Uh, of course. <laughs> now, well, I just wanted to uh, that that was a, that was a way of just me sort of subtly thanking you for your um, your very positive review. Um, oh, no, it was, it's a killer record, mate. You know, I was a fan back in the day, and it's it's one of those things when you know it was the same with uh, when Zetrix came back with the new record. You know. You, kind of go, oh God, I was 18 when I used to go and see that, you know, with my yeah. denim jacket on and my, my you know, my uh, high tops and everything, you know, <laughs> my high jacks. So, so, um, did, so did new music from old bands, as in bad, like, as in the two of us who haven't been around for years that, that reminded you of your teenage years, but it's yeah. new music, did it st- still trigger those old feelings? I mean, it, that's what you, I, I mean, yes, it did, on both, on, on both counts for sure, but it, it's, that's what I think, I try to stay a fan, you know, I'm not, I don't see myself as any, I'm just a bloke that writes about music he likes, and I, I, I find attention for, for doing that weird and uncomfortable, but um, one thing I've never lost is the ability to listen to things as a fan of music, I'm not trying to be clever, you know, I just want to, does it, does it make me want to put my fist through the wall, you know, does it make me want to drive my car over the roundabout and into someone's front garden, you know, it's, it's that kind of thing, and the bands that I loved when I was 18 and I had energy and adrenaline and things like that and all the joy of life kicked out of me. Um, <laughs> that stuff still does the job now. Do you know what I mean? I still listen to, you know, Rain in Blood or Seven Churches or, you know, Darkness Descends or any of the King Diamond albums from the 80s and they make me feel 10 foot tall, you know. Um, and so when a band like, you know, you guys come, you come back with something new or Zedfix come back with something new or, you know, Andy Sneap starts doing new music with, you know, with, with Hell or, or whatever, you know, or priests, you know, um, when that turns out to be really, really good, I think that's almost like double. <laughs> it's, like, it's double good because it kind of confirms you were right the first time around, um, and it gives you a fresh supply of, uh, of ammunition, you know. Oh, that's really cool. That is really cool. And and, and I've hijacked this part of the interview, so let's let, right. let's get back to the question I asked, which is: you said yeah. you know Manic, Metallica were the least band, the, the band that you were least uh, sort of bothered about, the big ones. So who are the who are the big yeah. ones you are bothered about that? You know you've you've got to you've got to meet and work with over the years. 
Well, Maiden, obviously, number one. Yes. Um, What's because the they're the greatest heavy metal band of all time, and I'm not interested in any other opinion, really. That's, you know, <laughs> fuck off, basically. Um, that, that's, uh, no, it's, you know, it's just one of those things. They're the best, they're, by, you know, they've, uh, they're the best live band. They've never let people down, even during the, you know, the much maligned Blaze Bailey years. You went, you went to see Iron Maiden play a show, and they'd rip your face off. You know, it wasn't, they've never been shit. And even though some albums are better than others, you know, and they've had weak points along the along the uh, the decades, Iron Maiden have really never let people down, you know, and uh, and they're really, you know, almost annoyingly nice people, <laughs> which is, you know, <clears throat> they say never meet your heroes, but if, in the case of Iron Maiden, but as well, because they're really nice, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, Steve's an absolute gentleman, you know, and we're talking about somebody I've idolised since I was, you know, twelve or whatever, and. Um, and he's just an ordinary bloke that happens to be, you know, a musical genius and uh, the captain of the ship, you know. And uh, Bruce is everything you'd want him to be. So, you know, like it's, that, they will always be number one for me. You know, they always treat everybody incredibly well, um, and their reputation uh, goes before them. You know, everybody knows that. You know, so it's, uh, you know, they don't talk to the press unless they want to, unless they've got something to say. And uh, don't we all wish more bands would take that approach? <laughs> uh, I, yes, absolutely. And in fact, and in, and in fact, a lot of um, a lot of stuff that um, that Bruce does with his with his um, uh, with his airline um, yeah. don't get reported. That people wish they'd let him report. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's not. Um, you know, he would be the first to admit he's got a giant ego. He's the singer in a heavy metal band, of course he has. But um, yeah, he's, they're not. They're not a showy bunch. You know, I'm sure there's yeah. a lot of good things going on behind the scenes. And money being raised for charity and all kinds of good stuff going on, but they're not going to shout about because it's there's no need, you know. And uh, and like I say, I don't know. There's just something special about Maiden, and there always has been for me. And it's not just Jim will fix it and all that stuff, you know. It's just, <laughs> you go to their shows and, and his family and everybody in that room, their favourite band is Iron Maiden, you know. And that's sim- simply not true of uh, of other big bands, you know. You go and see ACDC or Metallica, yeah, there'll be loads of diehards there, but there'll also be. A load of people eating prawn sandwiches. Do you know? What I mean? Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. The corporates. Yeah. Well, uh, like Guns, like Guns and Roses at Download the other year. You know, it was great. I really enjoyed it. But I was uh, surrounded by uh, a lot of people drinking chilled white wine out of little bottles. You know, it's a bit fucking weird, mate. I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a bit, a bit too Glastonbury. But was it? Was yeah, it, a, a bit too much coke going on that day. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want, I'm really interested, right? Was there in this particular moment? There might, it might not exist. Was there a particular moment where you interviewed one or all of Iron Maiden, and one of them went, "Hang on." Have we met you before? Hang on, are you that kid from Jim Will Fix? <laughs> um, the remarkable thing about that that band and that organisation is that as soon as my name popped up in Kerrang, uh, there was a an email was exchanged and it was acknowledged that yes, it was me and hello from Iron Maiden. It's lovely to see you doing this and that. Oh wow! Uh, and so by the first time by the first time I interviewed them, it was like, oh, Dom, how the devil are you? We remember you, you know. And, you know, Nico slapping me on the back and all this, you know. And, uh, oh, that's awesome. Uh, which, you know, you, I mean, imagine, uh, even today, I struggle when I hang out with them above all uh, above all bands, you know. Not not because they're, I mean, they're lovely people to be around, but inside I'm going, it's fucking Iron Maiden. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hanging out with fucking Iron Maiden, fuck me. You know, it's... Uh, yeah, I've never lost that. You know, you stick on power slave, and I, and I get goosebumps. It doesn't matter where I am. You know, 
But that's uh, that's brilliant because it's kind of like it's kind of like them sort of you know welcoming you know an insider, somebody they sort of yeah. helped helped infuse along the way as a kid. Well, and, that's it. You know? I had a conversation with Steve in a bar once in uh, God in America somewhere. It's a terrible we're clang name dropping, you know. But it was after some interview I'd done, and uh, we were just sat, sat there chatting away. And out of the blue, he just kind of said, well, you know what, we really appreciate the fact you've been a fan of for all this time, Doc. You know, cheers. Do you want another drink? You know, and it, it wasn't making a big thing of it, but inside I was just like, <laughs> doing the happiest dance of all time, you know. But it's, uh, but it's, you know, they do appreciate people's loyalty. Like I say, that's why I made them when they come back, they, they don't bring a half-assed show. You know, when they release an album, it's not some bunch of shitty songs they've not bashed out. They've, you know, uh, you get what you pay for. You get value for money with Iron Maiden always, you know. Yeah, I mean, I know that. Although that's easy for me to say, of course, because I get a lot of stuff for free. So yeah, you know. yeah. So it's, it's definitely value for money for you, isn't it? For fuck's sake, it's, it's a fucking bargain, mate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So if, um, have you um, have you been? Uh, you mentioned Priest as well. Are they uh, are they one yeah. of your um, one of your faves? Uh, Rob Halford is one of the loveliest people on on earth. I think I think that's obvious, though, isn't it? Isn't that obvious from everything he does? Well, and you know, his social media presence alone makes you. How can you not adore that? You know, <laughs> true, true. I mean, he, he has he has got like basically cross genre appeal. Not just not yeah. just metal, but just like if you like people in bands and you follow music, you'd go, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah that that guy's uh, seems seems to be a nice bloke. He's brilliant, and he's so down to work. I mean, that's the thing with the British bands, which is less true of American bands in general, but. You know, I don't want to generalise completely, but certainly the old school British bands are all just really normal people, you know, who happened to get lucky when the first wave of these things came along, you know, really. I mean, not, not that Iron Maiden were in any way lucky, uh, because, of course, they were better than everybody else. But, you know, Black Sabbath don't see them, they didn't have this master plan to invent heavy metal and become a band that played in the reef because it was just four Burks from Birmingham, you know. <laughs> yeah. and, and and you sent, and I, when I've met Rob and you know, the other members of Priest and interviewed Ozzy and people like that, you know, you, you get the sense, it's a very strong sense that they are still feeling that way. You know, they've never, ever become those cunts that, you know, think that the world owes, owes it to them in some way, you know. They feel, uh, I hate to use the word blessed because it has religious connotations, but they do feel blessed by circumstance, you know, which, is, uh, which makes them easy people to like. Yeah, and, and yeah, and also I think when people uh, and this is not I'm not specifying anybody or any particular band, but when bands have been together for a very, very, very long time, and it's towards yeah. the twilight of their career, and lineup changes start happening, that's mm. usually that's usually because somebody is getting a bit fucking, you know, I deserve yeah. this or we deserve that, and being a bit demanding, and everybody else is still grounded and going. Yeah. Yeah, this, this is not happening. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, it's not always the case, but I think if you no. look at bands that have had the same lineup for a long time, it does, it does speak, it speaks volumes about how well things must be run behind the scenes. Yeah. You know, it's not necessarily the band members that are, are facilitating that. <laughs> you know, that enduring sense of, uh, of goodwill between all men, but. Someone is, you know, and that you can see it in Iron Maiden, you know, they've always had their, their differences in the past, but since they came back in 2000 with that lineup, you know, it's harmony, isn't it? And not a cross word, you know, and so you just think, well, brilliant. Say with Priest, now that they've, you know, it's, just, it's such a terrible shame about Glenn that he's not, you know, that he's done well, but um, they just cracked on, didn't they, really? <laughs> it's brilliant. Fantastic, the Priest band, the way things are at the moment. 
Well, yeah, and well, yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I think Andy's going to definitely be involved in the production, whether or not he's involved in in writing or anything like that. Um, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. But I mean, that was that was amazing to see. You know, I'm, I WhatsApped him as soon as the, and the news went live, and you know, it was it was just yeah. it, it was it was five minutes of us sending emojis back to each other. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and I've, I've, I've had many conversations with Andy over the years, and most of them have referenced Judas Priest at some point. You know, it's just one of those. Um, he, what is he? A couple of years older than me, but you know, you know, we're all roughly the same age, aren't we? And it's that kind of generation of we grew up in the eighties with when with the proper metal, and uh, it never leaves you. You know, it's just uh, I, I think that's something I've been thinking about a lot recently, which I think probably makes me massively out of touch with the way magazines are uh, directed these days. But uh, I find it almost more exciting when an old band makes great new music than when I hear a new band making great music. You know, there's something something really satisfying about, you know, a New Testament album ripping your face off, you know. It's, do, you, uh, do you know what? You you might be onto something there. Yeah. You, re- you, a, you really might. There's a might. value to it, you know. There's, 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 that's a definite, and, and it's obviously, it's a definite sort of time of life thing. And I mean, we're quite, we're, we're very, our ages are quite close together. I'm, I'm 50, so um, a yeah, little, yeah, little bit older yeah. than you. But um, uh, yeah, I, 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 I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I mean, um, I was um, I was just abs- I was blown away with um, Book of Souls, for instance, yeah. and I was just yeah, like yeah. I was just and I was just like it's a double album, and and it's like the amount of double albums that I even like is tiny because yeah. there, there's very very few double albums that leave you with, that don't leave you with the feeling of this shouldn't have been a double fucking album. <laughs> yeah, no, very true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> particularly and, particularly in metal, you know, it it lends itself to uh, to progressive rock, you know, in some ways, which has got that, you know, that uh, that limitless kind of influences and all the rest of it. But in metal, yeah, no one needs a two-hour metal album. It's not <laughs> it's not necessary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and do you know what? There's 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 a there's a band or an album tickling at the back of my brain that came out came out within the last year or so by a band, and I was like, you know, fucking hell, that is. That's got to be one of their best ever albums. All these years. Yeah. Oh, actually, I tell you who it is. Bloody hell, um, Sepultura this year. Yes. Oh, yes, absolutely, mate. Hundred percent agree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, that's that's you could you 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 play Chaos AD and then you play that afterwards and you go, yeah, yeah, that that works. Yeah, it totally holds up, doesn't it? And I, yeah. I think, I think honestly, it's made. A, I hope I hope it's made a lot of people go back and listen to some of the other albums they've made with with Derek because I think it's, you know uh, the amount of kind of myopic horseshit. I've heard people talk about Sepultura over the years, you know, that, oh, it's not the same, and oh, I hope they reform and all this. And it's a do-fuck-off. They've made lots of great music with Derek. That lineup has been around much longer than the one with Max ever was, and they're a fucking ripping live band. And that, and that new album, finally, they've got some recognition for for, for being that good. You know, it's, uh, I don't know why it's taking so long, really. It's weird. The, the album before was killer. So I'm Machine Messiah. That's great. Yeah, I mean, there's a, well, I mean, uh, 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 the guitarist in our band, Paul, um, uh, has never been able to. Cut. It's, it's the new Sepultura has never clicked for him, and I just right, said, "Look, yeah. just just dig in, dig your heels in, and really, really, you know, go go for uh, Quadra and see what you can do with it." And he came out and he was like, yeah. "I still can't get my head around it." And then about <laughs> and about three months later, mm. I just got a message going, "Oh yeah, Quadra, fucking amazing. I'm onto <laughs> I'm onto Machine Messiah now." 
Brilliant. There you go. Yeah, work your way backwards because there's a lot. I mean, not all the albums are they're not consistent necessarily, but there's great stuff on all of them. I would say, you know. Oh, well, I, well, I um, think. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking as far as far back as Rawback. Rawback's got. Yeah. It's got a, a real. It's ripping, basically that album. Yes, it is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, I mean, I saw them. Where was it last year? They did a launch uh, for the new album, uh, like a preview thing, and they played a gig in Paris um, in this tiny little venue. Um, and you know these guys are older than me, you know. And was, apart from the drummer, who's like about fifteen, uh, and it was just savage, you know. And they were brilliant, and it was quite euphoric. And I just thought, you know, I do wish people would stop wallowing in the past about these things. It is a bit tragic, you know. You can go and see Max playing Sepultura albums all the way through, anyway, can't you? If you're, if you're that desperate, you know, off <laughs> you you know. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, and. Um... Uh, you know, Not that there's anything wrong with that, by the way. I'm a, I'm a fan of Max as well, but but just you know, if I had to choose one or the other, I'd choose Sepultura because they're moving forward, aren't they? And that's you know, that's exciting for a band that's been around that long. Well, Sepultura without Max have made have made more albums I like than Soulfly have made albums that I like. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I think that's a fair comment. I mean, again, I, like, there's lots of Soulfly stuff that I like, but I don't find you know it's. I don't know, another Soulfly album is another Soulfly album, and it's great, and I enjoy listening to it loud in the car. Uh, I don't find myself going back to them very much, whereas it's, uh, particularly the last two Sepultura albums, they've been absolutely rinsed. <laughs> but yeah, well, for me, um, I mean, uh, Soulfly is the Conqueror album, and then and then pretty much nothing else. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Cool, that's very selective. <laughs> yeah, it is, isn't it? <laughs> it is, isn't it? Um, but, to, yeah, but, but, but to be fair, I've only really, really liked two albums of uh, of Sepultura without Max, and that's Raw Back well, and Quadra. Well, you see, but that's it. And, and this is why it always makes me laugh when people get kick off because I give something a bad review. So like, if, you've, if you've even vaguely followed my writing or read the magazines that I've written for for years and years and years, I'm overwhelmingly positive about things. I'm probably more positive about Mount than anybody else. <laughs> you know, um, so the occasional... Kicking is uh, just, I've got to let off steam sometimes. Come on. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> it's only fair, isn't it? You know, well, yeah, I'm putting for my Valentine's Day release an album every week, do they? So, you know, thank God. <laughs> but, it, yeah, well, well, yeah, but you've got killer lights to fill the gap. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I'll be honest, I'm not going to be rude about that because I have been into it, but also because I. I Spoke with Moose once, and he was quite a nice chap. But you know, whatever. Well, hey, look, mate, you've you've. Abs- it's, not, it's probably not aimed at me, is it? Let's be honest. Well, well, to be honest, mate, uh, you know, you battered the my favourite album of the year so far. So you know, it, it's all about yeah. it's all yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Or striper. No. <laughs> uh, no. Okay. So okay. Battering is a bit hard. I read the review in Kerrang, and it was uh, for Protest the Hero Palimpsest. Oh, I didn't write that. Yeah, I know. It's my favourite album of the year. <laughs> Yeah. No, yeah. no, I, I said I didn't write it. I don't think I've reviewed that. Anyway. Oh, you didn't write it? Sorry, I thought you said you didn't no. like Are you sure? Hang on. Yeah, of course, no, hang sure. on. Of course no. you're sure. Okay, my addled brain is a, has, has decided that you wrote that, so I'm sorry. Unless I, unless I wrote it without realising it. I mean, who knows? Which would which probably explain why I've clearly got my my response so wrong. <laughs> well, no, no, I I'm t- pretty well, sure I didn't review that. Well I'll, well, I'll tell you what. At some point during the interview, while you're doing a long answer, I'll be I'll yeah. look, I'll look it up on the internet, and if it is you, yeah, but, I mean, please call me out if I'm talking. Yeah, about yeah oh yeah, no, absolutely. You know. If it, I tell you what, I'm really excited now because if it is you, I'm going to give you double the fucking shit. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, um, but, but again, it, hey, it's just personal taste. But um, it, and <laughs> you know that Sepultura example is a is an absolutely obvious, well, obvious one, especially in metal. Yeah, 
and there's a lot and there's yeah. there's a lot of people where it's like you know oh no I stopped listening after the Max left you know tried didn't like Derek and it's like yeah but that's 20 years ago oh yeah isn't it <laughs> yeah yeah maybe maybe give them another try now you know you might you might learn something I don't know it's I know people you know we can all sit here all day go well each to their own and people are entitled to do this and that but I'm uh, I'm quite into being a cheerleader for people you know and and it, it kind of bugs me when bands have been around for a long time paradise lost a great example as well you know and they will get some media coverage but not what they deserve you know they've, they've just released three of the best albums they've ever made you know like I, I would put those up against any of the early classics you know they're absolutely fantastic records but they're not really being celebrated as one of our greatest bands in the in the metal media in this country you know and i find that weird yeah and it, it's just it's because they've been around for so long and they didn't stop and do a comeback or you know or completely changed just to piss everybody off. Well, actually, they did that in the late nineties, but you know. No. <laughs> well, that's the that's that's the manic. The that's, yeah, that's what the manic street preachers. Um, I saw him in an interview, and uh, and it was, it was I think it was the first person to refer to it and say, "Yeah, you see, the mistake we've made is never splitting up." Yeah, that's it. He said, yeah, we're "Because you're not cool anymore." You know, you, 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 familiarity breeds contempt and all that, and it's just kind of, you know, uh, the, uh, the thing I've noticed over twenty years that obviously, you know. The, when I started working at Kerrang, Phil Alexander was still there, you know. So, yeah, it, magazines are run by a completely different generation of people now. And of course, they are quite rightly so. You know, you don't you want old bastards running the magazines forever because then they'll, they'll never appeal to younger people. I get that, you know. But, um, but perspective is completely different these days. You know, that's yeah. just something you have to kind of you just have to take on board. The older I get, the less the less connected to. You know the, the kind of media consensus I am really, I suppose, but that's all right. Well, you've loads of us miserable, well, you've miserable just... pricks about, haven't they? <laughs> not quite as miserable as you, Dom. You've pointed out there um, something that actually is very true. That was at the heart for me, in my theory, is at the heart of the collapse of the music industry, um, yeah. which you know happened whether people choose to believe that or not, um, and. Um, it's the fact that you were talking about, you know, magazines run, run by a load of old bastards. And unfortunately, what we had was we had record companies run by a load of old bastards. And, yeah. all, and all of them, you know, most of them were in denial. But even if they did get it and realise what the future was, I'm only here. I've, I've got five, ten years to, to eke out here. And I'm going yeah. to defend my quality of life until that point. And every record company did the same thing. They just dug their heels yeah. in and tried to maintain their current way of life, their current earning power. And all yeah. and they and it was coming from the from the from the top down because no, we don't. You know, they didn't give a shit about where the company would be in twenty years or where the the, the market would be in twenty years. All they were interested in was just keeping looking after number one. Yeah, no, I think that's true. I think there was a, there was a, an air of petulance to it, really. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, you know, well, as, if, as if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. Record companies suing people for illegally downloading music. When you start taking your customers to court, it's over. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, quite. And then look at you know, and they all sat on their hands for years while the, the streaming services got their shit together. And then yeah. there was absolutely nothing they could do when that happened, you know. And, and yes, all the bands are getting screwed now. I get that, you know, it's awful and all the rest of it. But you know, you should have seen it coming. I don't know why. They, I, don't, I mean, obviously, I didn't see it coming. It's not my job to see it coming. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, but all the record industry was warned in advance. You know, it's not. 
this is not a secret when it happens. You know? Absolutely, and all yeah, and who thought the Canary in the coal mine would be fucking Lars Ulrich? <laughs> well, that's it, you know, and and then and, and also at the same time, I think it's worth uh, just for my uh, for my uh, prog brothers and sisters out there, it's worth mentioning that uh, Marillion invented yeah. fucking crowd crowdfunding, um, and you know, it paved the way for a whole new way of doing things. You know, a bunch of old farts playing one of the most unfashionable bands on earth at that point. You know, well, don't well, invented the future. You know, well, don't get me started. I mean, if you if you think you were, <laughs> if you did if you thought you got giddy when uh, Steve Harris offered to buy you a pint, imagine yeah. imagine how I felt when I was sat next to Fish and he was eat, oh. and he was eating his soup and he asked me if I wanted a bowl. Amazing. I mean, Being offered soup by Fish. That's amazing. Yeah, and it wasn't that, fi- and it wasn't it wasn't fish soup before you ask. Um, no, I, well, he's not a cannibal. Really. <laughs> but um, oh, mate, uh, yeah. I, so uh, yeah, I know, I know exactly what you mean. But um, yeah, you're right. You know, look, you look at the business, and you just think, well, yeah. Look, look at the way everyone listens to their music. None of it, none of it is owned by a record label. You know, mm. record labels have have you know in in it have failed to innovate completely within yeah. the digital space, and they now don't have a chance to do it. It's owned. It's gone. You know, that yeah. battle was lost. You are now on yeah, the outside. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Of course, uh, I always think that the, the one good, one of the good things, very few good things that's come out of it really is, uh, is that now loads of labels are having to remaster and re-release everything in lovely swanky box sets and shit. And I love all that. So, <laughs> I, I, I do like it. But and, and there's, but do you know what? There's two things I want to ask you and I want to grab them in quickly because but, um, yeah. I've got a bunch of questions from subscribers to ask you. So, Amazing. two questions. Yeah, bizarre, For, <laughs> firstly, um, where do you stand on uh, bands who now now own the rights or don't uh, don't earn anything off the original now deciding to re-record an old album with modern production and i mean honestly i don't morally i don't have any issue with it at all i think it's fair enough you know i think if you then present this is a new version of this it doesn't it doesn't erase the old version you know you can listen to whichever one you want uh but if by recording a new version of that the band can release it and make some money um I'm not sure how anyone could complain. I'm sure people will complain about that, you know. Well, no, do you know, do you know what? When, uh, I, I, like when Exodus re-recorded Bondi by, by Blood with yeah. uh, Rob Duke singing, you know, and it sounded different, had a modern production, and people went, oh, oh, oh why have you done that? I was like, don't have to fucking listen to it. No, what you all about? Yeah, I mean, as as a musician, I guess I'm over, uh, and well, I know you are as well, but I guess I'm just a bit oversensitive about... Um, just the, the the concept of it and it's like why would you do that yeah. and you know it, are, are you ruining the original and and i remember hearing i remember hearing a movie critic saying recently saying look i know everyone goes on about oh they shouldn't remake that and they shouldn't remake that and i said look let's get yeah. one thing clear no matter what movie gets remade the old one doesn't get deleted yeah that's it that's that's a, that's all you need to think really i think you know yeah <laughs> yeah I, I, I've, I've learned that through talking to you <laughs> Yeah, well, it's just, you know, it's not, I mean, for a lot of bands, it's not something they'll ever want to do, and I totally get, I totally appreciate why, but I can see it, particularly when people are getting ripped off, or when people are, you know, are kind of stranded without the rights to their own their own creativity, you know, that uh, for whatever reason, whether they signed stupid contracts when they were young, or whether, you know, there's something malevolent going on, or just bad fortune, or whatever, but um, I don't see any reason why... Yeah, it, it doesn't supersede anything, does it? You know, it's like, like Machine Age re-recorded 
burn my eyes in the studio just as a thing and have released it on vinyl and you know uh, as a kind of I suppose a way to promote the, the reunion tour and all that kind of thing and it, it's fine you know it's brilliant it, it, it rips but um, it doesn't make any difference to the fact that the first album is the one I'm much more likely to listen to the original, you know, and I don't think I don't think Rob's going to get upset about that. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> true, true. And 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 the other question I really wanted to ask you was: um, Have yeah. you have you been asked? Have you ever been asked to sort of co-write, um, uh, you know, an autobiography or ghost ghost write anything like that? Um, I've had a couple of offers over the years. It's oh, honestly, I feel like such a failure when I talk about this because I've never done it, and I, I, I've turned down a few things. Over the years, I have done a couple. Of, I did this. I did a thing with Opeth where it was basically just interviewing them a lot and transcribing it and putting it into a story for a, for a thing called the Opeth book, or the book of Opeth that they put out a few years ago, um, like a coffee table thing for mega fans. You know that that was quite satisfying. And I did a there's a book in the the recent Venom box set that I did that's like just you know again just extended interviews really. But I've never actually written a, a book. And to be honest, it, partly it's because of, I'm because of my somewhat ropey mental health I'm quite worried about committing myself to long term projects you know? <laughs> it's not something that, I, um, that I'm particularly keen on um, but also because there's an awful lot of shit books out there isn't there and I, I've always felt that I'm not sure that I want to add to that by bashing out some unauthorised biography of somebody that really didn't want you to write do you know what I mean it's yeah kind of a bit, yeah no, no I, I, I understand all those reasons but I'm then going to trample all over them with okay. Steve Harris wants you to write his autobiography with him. Um, yeah, no, I'd bite his hand off. Yeah, yeah, obviously. <laughs> right, OK. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, you know, there are, there, are, there are people that I would do it for, you know, and they're usually people I... It's going to sound really wanky, but there's a handful of people that I know personally that I've got a good relationship with those bands, and if they wanted me to write something, I would, you know, just because it would be almost impossible to say no without looking like a dick, you know, like, you know, why would I, why am I saying no to this? This is mental. But, um, but it's not many people, you know, it doesn't, it, it, honestly, it doesn't appeal to me. I should do more writing really, but like I say, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I, the thing I enjoy doing most is writing about music and not so much, uh, yes. trying to pad out someone's fairly feeble career with, you know, brilliant anecdotes about the day Dimebag threw up in their shoes or whatever. You know, it's it's, it's kind of it, those books are great. You read them once and then you never read them again, unless it's like Al Jorgensen's book or something like that, when you've got actual stories that make your hair fall out. You know. But when uh, well, that was kind of why I wanted to know because I know you you know you were saying how look I just write about music and I'm passionate about it and that's what I enjoy doing and I was just wondering whether you know yeah. whether whether a book that that takes you away from what you're doing, although still involved in the subject, you know, appealed at all? Because, you know, I, I, I kind of get that, basically. Yeah, no, it does appeal. And it's one of those things where, you know, I, I probably thought 20 years ago, I probably thought, well, yeah, at some point I'd like to do that. And now, you know, 20 years later, I'm still thinking, yeah, maybe at some point I'd like to do that, you know. Um, and I'll probably be on my deathbed going, oh, I probably should have written the book, never mind, you know. But, um I, I will do it at some point. I think it's just it's just knowing what it is, you know, and and finding the thing that makes me think, yes, that's there you go. And it's not really popped up, you know. And the things I've been offered, uh, I've been asked to do, have usually been a little bit outside of anything I'm hugely excited about. If that makes sense, you know, just things that connected. I was asked once to write a, a book on the new wave of British heavy metal, you know, or to at least you know kind of uh, make a bit to write it. And in the end, I thought, you know what, I, I don't think I want to do that. I don't think I'm passionate enough about the new wave of British heavy metal as much as I love Iron Maiden. 
<laughs> yeah. You know, so there's no point. Unless I, if I'm not passionate about something, I won't do it properly. I'd rather not do it than, than do something half-assed. So, um, and the money doesn't appeal anyway because books are, you know, it's a lot of work for not a massive amount of money when you when you put it some putting it out through some independent publisher and selling it to you know whoever Dream Theater fans or whatever. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's, yes. Uh, yeah. You're yeah. not talking about. It's not a it's not a publishing deal for the big publisher. It's you know it's a few grand for writing a lot of words. You know, and uh, I'm actually quite lazy as well. The weed might have something to do with that, though. You know, it, <laughs> it, it makes it makes you realise the futility of a lot of tasks. Um, uh, it's it's a it's a magical substance. Yeah, but that was that that was that was the Bill Hicks line, wasn't it? It doesn't it doesn't affect <laughs> motivation. It just makes you realise it's not fucking worth it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, look, yeah. mate. Look, mate. I've got a load of subscriber questions, so um, right. so don't go, don't go anywhere. And if you were a patron, you would now get your um, second bollocast, and you'd hear all the questions that you asked Dom answered by the man himself. So, patreon.com forward slash Howard H Smith. If you want to sign up and keep the podcast going, just five dollars a month helps me keeps the lights on at uh, Talking Bollocks Towers over here. But um, anyway. Um, I wanted to recommend, uh, by the way, yeah, great interview, top man, hope you really enjoyed it, not going to keep talking about the interview, you've just heard it, there's really no need to break it down, is there, at all. Um, some great albums have come out, and um, I feel like I've, I, I'm still hammering Empire of the Blind by Heathen, if you haven't heard that yet, you do need to get yourself some Empire of the Blind down your ears, have a good old listen, seriously. I'm still smashing the hell out of... Uh, what am I saying? I'm smashing the fuck out of um, uh, Protest the Hero. Um, Palimpsest, fantastic album. Still loving the Lamb of God album after pretty much hating everything they've ever done. Really like it. Those two albums, Palimpsest by Protest the Hero and uh, Lamb of God by Lamb of God, they, they, were, they are my lockdown albums. They're the albums that I was just listening to constantly. And whenever I play songs from them, I'll, they will always remind me of this sort of period of time that we're in at the moment. So, yeah, probably never play them again then. Um, also, the new Haken, well, say new, new this year, Virus by Haken. Now, um, yeah, prophetically named, because it wasn't named once we knew this was shit was going on. Really good album. Um, very proggy, very technical, um, but they really have a sound of their own. And I urge, I urge you to check it out. Um, the, I mean, the first two tracks had me. Prosthetic and Invasion, two songs off the new album, just just absolutely had me, so go and check them out. New Devil Driver. Gotta love a bit of Devil Driver, haven't you, really? I mean, they're, just, they're, they're the boys. As as some of you know, I am, um, I'm a bit of a Devil Driver fan, and um, yeah, it's uh, Dealing With Demons. It is out now. Um, it is a, it's a really good album, and there's, there's, there's different stuff in there. It's not just a standard Devil Driver album, although I would have to say that um, Ohm's The New Deftones album, for me, is... I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm still struggling to get into it. So I'm, I'm not going to... I'm not going to... It's just all on a level at the moment. For me, there's nothing that really stands out that's making me go, fucking hell, there's no songs that I can't wait for. It's just all very much on a level. And that level is good, but it never breaks out from that and becomes great. And, and yeah, it's just, I don't know. 
Um, I also have Velschmetz, the um, the last ever Fish album. It's eighty four minutes long. It has ten songs, and the best way I can describe it is that it is beautifully boring. Um, and, and I've just got to move on from there. Um, um, and there's two other albums that um, are, are just really really fucking doing it for me at the moment um and one of them is utterly bizarre and it's um it's the hell and it's a, a hardcore opera yep that's right you you heard what i said it's a hardcore opera called joris and apparently this is part one um but the hell have uh have, have pulled it out of the bag it's a really really interesting project and it sounds fucking cool I have to say and some of you are gonna laugh at me I have never got into necrophobic before but I am now new album Dawn of the Damned fucking classic death metal absolutely loving it really really loving it so hopefully there's a few tips there um, if you're struggling for, for, for new tunes at the moment um, I do a, a monthly radio show called Radio Bollocks on Patreon and um, yeah if you sign up there you get that as well and you get to hear all this shit but anyway anyway look it just remains for me to say thank you thank you thank you so much thank you very much for listening to the podcast it is always great being in your ears it really is and um i appreciate the support i appreciate the patrons i appreciate the bollockers i appreciate the acid rain fans i appreciate the motorhead fans and the motorcast fans if there's any motorcast fans coming here for the first time hello wow you made it to the end and the second wow you didn't mind all the cunting swearing (laughs) fuck me um hope you enjoyed it um but look seriously when we get back to doing gigs again I am going to get back to you guys, getting you guys to shout out bollocks at live shows. And then if you hear somebody shout bollocks, then they shout bollocks back. And then you both shout talking bollocks. It's lame, isn't it? But fucking hell, wouldn't that be awesome if we could get that going now? No, because there's no shows, Howard. That's what I mean. That's what I'm saying. It's all about being positive and looking forward. That's all we can do at this stage. Um, I, Well, that's what I'm trying to do anyway. Um, look, it's always a pleasure doing this. It's seven years. It's come seven years since I started doing this. I mean, that's ridiculous. Ridiculous. And I still enjoy it. Still meeting lots of great people and still having a great time doing it. So once again, look, guys, thank you so much. I do appreciate it. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing. If you're riding your bike, you're in your car, you're driving a train, you're stacking some shelves in a supermarket, you're in a supermarket doing the shopping. Whatever you're doing, you're at work. If you're at work, remember, howard at allabouttherock.co.uk. Send me an email just titled work. Send it from your work account. Pop that email in. They've been coming in, they're dribs and drabs, and they do make me laugh because it's just every time I get one, it just reminds me that somebody's been listening to this at work and it just makes me smile. And the thing is, I I know that there's going to be, like in years to come, I'm going to get an email and it'll just be titled work and I'll be like, Christ, someone's listening to those episodes for the first time back from when we were in lockdown. But um, anyway, guys, look, I'm waffling. Because I don't want it to end. Because I love you. I love every one of you. Oh, I, oh, I do. 
I do. I'm a big-hearted guy. What can I say? You're all welcome. You're welcome round here any time. But uh, the patrons get the beds, so rest of you will have to be on the floor. Anywho, and not allowed more than six. Fucking hell. It's time to stop the podcast. I'm waffling. Thanks a lot, guys. There'll be another one this month towards the end of the month, and you might be able to figure out who it's with. Speak to you then. Bye.